Good afternoon, it's Wednesday again and for lunchtime chats with Jen. I, for some reason, when I start a live, if I try and put a title to this, it does not... Hi Heather! Um, it does not um, start the live, I have to put it out without a title. So, I'm just waiting for Ashley from Thriving Survivors to request to join. <clears throat> um, when you join, there should be a little button that comes up as you say that you've joined that says request to join. I don't know that I can invite you to join. Mm. Oh, excuse me, pardon me. How rude. Um, you might need to come off and come back on again, Ashley, I'm not sure. When you come into the live next year, or if you maybe scroll back through the comments, it might say request to join. I don't know. Heather might be able to pop in here and tell me if there's another way to do it. <clears throat> Questions? No. It's technology, isn't it? Who knows how to do this shit? Not me. If you're watching this on playback, just skip forward a couple of minutes because we're trying to manage the joy that is Instagram Lives. I've been on calls though where other people have, oh, invite to join, what a dick, there you go. Uh, oh, unable to join. Hmm. Right, why why would it say unable to join? Send requests. I found how to send the requests. I feel like I've advanced in technology. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure if you can go on on a laptop. My Instagram wouldn't even let me check my messages on my laptop yesterday. I had to um, come on on my phone. I've sent an invite to her. How are you anyway, Heather? So while we're waiting for Ashley to come on. Oh yeah, tell, tell you about me. <laughs> I am Jen Wilson, if you are new to following. Um, I've had quite a lot of new followers recently, I don't know why that is, so welcome to, to you. I am a yoga teacher, Pilates teacher, movement, movement geek. I absolutely love movement and how the body works and how the body um, can thrive, maybe, would be a good word. Technology has not been our friend right now. I run a program called The Healing Rebel, 
which is all about different ways to manage your manage your health and try and optimise it. Yeah, I've sent the request through again. Let's see if this lets us go. Yay! Hi! Sorry, <laughs> you've, you've got me on my mobile phone. Um, so, let me just... How's that? Is that all right? Yeah, the light's a wee bit glary behind you, so we can't oh. see your face. That's a bit... That's better. There we are. It's those lights behind me. There. How's that? That's better. Yeah, that's better. Sorry. I know it's trying to get the lighting right, trying to get Heather's on watching as well. Um, now I might have made it entirely too dark. Are we live as well, people watching this? Yeah, it's alright, they've just been watching it, but Heather's watching us live, so I did see if anybody's watching this on playback on IGTV to skip forward a couple of minutes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay. Right, that's okay. us. <laughs> you all settled? Yes. Yeah, you can take a break. Take a break, take a break. Heather is here with us at this moment in time, but it will go into IGTV so people can watch it on playback as well. Okay, awesome. So why don't you tell us what Thriving Survivors is about? Um, okay, so Thriving Survivors supports people who have been affected by various different types of trauma. So Trauma is such a wide, wide range of words, you know, mm. and and I think we often, some people can under, can struggle to understand what trauma is, and and even if they've been affected by it themselves. So, um, we work with people who've faced bereavement, who've faced childhood sexual abuse, who've been through domestic violence, drugs and alcohol. So we've um, we've got quite a wide quite a wide reach in terms of who we work with um, we deliver a range of different services so we've got our mentoring service so when you first come in you are paired with a mentor who's got a similar life experience and they'll be with you throughout your entire journey with thriving survivors so we don't have a time limit on our services so when you come in we're with you for as long as you as long as you need us really um, and that mentoring service is key I think to helping people establish the sort of safety and stability that they need before they embark on the next stage of their journey so the mentors are, are there every week they give you a call they're just they're just a really really good bunch you know and yeah. everybody that works for me has been through an experience themselves so we're all we've all got our own life experience that we're able to share and hopefully help other people come through and recognize that there's hope and a bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Um, we also provide one-to-one counselling, which is the sort of stage two work that we do. So that's where, again, you're still with your mentor, but you begin working with your counsellor as well. And then we go into our stage three work, which is the post-traumatic growth programme, where we actually help people look at, well, who are you now as a person, now that you've been through your, your therapeutic work, you've been with your mentor for quite some time, 
who are you, what makes you the person that you are, and that growth programme that we deliver helps people to do that. Um, when we talk about post-traumatic growth, it doesn't just happen overnight, you know, that's a that's a process, and whilst we provide a, a six-week programme that gives you the tools and the techniques to help you start discovering who you are, at this point it really becomes about how much the person wants to change and how much that person wants to go on and, and to really find meaning. And we've had great success so far. So, um, yeah, an interesting an interesting three years ahead of us as we start to really embed that end-to-end -end service into yeah. Thriving Survivors. But that's what we do and, and that's who we support. Just such a rewarding thing to do, to be able to, to help pick people back up when they've had something quite horrific happen to them that they don't know how to process and then maybe don't know how to show up in the world That's and right. if they have that um, support around them of somebody who can yeah, empathize yeah. and understands where it's coming from that can be so useful in the recovery journey I, th I think it's key. I think identifying the trauma is really, really important. I think that's the first step because mm. a lot of people won't actually identify. So, for example, somebody living with domestic abuse, they'll face multiple experiences and multiple mm. traumas along that period of time. Coercive control, a lot of people don't even recognise that that they live in a relationship where coercive control is a thing. So helping people to identify the type of trauma, I think, is, is really key to helping them start to understand it and have an awareness of yeah. how it's impacting on them. And I, I think awareness is, is key to your recovery. I think if you can really start to understand what the trauma is, how it impacts you and how it makes you behave and react to things, from that point, you've then got, change and you can really make change happen so um yeah i think awareness is, is key to that and understanding the trauma also is a big big part of it yeah and giving people giving survivors a, a space to have a voice and to be heard yeah that's powerful um i, I think more since i moved into this new project survivors voices but mm. i've always been an advocate for a survivor having a voice and having a say because when I first found my voice after many, many years, you know, I, I found my voice and sometimes didn't quite know how to use it. Um, and, it, you know, once you find your voice, it can run away with you. You can say things that you don't mean. And because all of a sudden you've got this power within you that who's going to say anything? So it's it's about harnessing that voice and using it in the in the right way. And that's took me many years to to manage to master that I think um, but I'm getting there I'm getting there but if you can provide a, a space for somebody to be heard and and you actually listen sometimes I think that's all that people need and I'm really really recognizing that with the project that we're working on now yeah, yeah I think with the like with the rise of social media we don't listen the same way like we're too busy waiting to make our point or quickly agree or quickly disagree that we're not being able to actually hear what it is that somebody says and um, like empathize or be compassionate towards them or to really hear what what is being said under underneath is it just women that you deal with or is it anyone uh, we work we work with anyone do you know if you've had a a difficult time in your life and you're struggling to process that then our doors are open we won't we won't turn 
anyone away because what we find is a lot of the people that we work with, it all goes back to childhood. There's a lot of things go back to the adverse childhood experiences and a lot of things that have maybe been been witnessed in the past or you've been party to as a child. Um, and that's something that we recognise quite early on, that if somebody's presenting, for example, with a drug and an alcohol problem, for them, that's their solution. It's not the problem, it's the solution to their problem and helping them to understand and look that wee bit deeper as to, well, why do we use drugs and alcohol? You soon start to get a, a bigger picture, which is really sad that actually people come to you for one reason and before you know it, you've unearthed a whole, somebody's whole truth underneath that. But see, to be part of that journey and to watch somebody who has come to you and at points on the brink of suicide and to actually then go through that whole process, it's a privilege to be part of that journey. But it's incredible to watch. Do you know, it's, it really is extraordinary to see somebody come full circle and to go on and uh, one person in particular came to me in that, that way and it must be so I've been we'll be five in March in fact we'll be five on the 16th of March not even sure what oh, today's yeah. date is um, but uh, yeah six days um, so five years we've been up and running and this this young girl came to me I think we were about a year in and she's now flying she's just I sit back and I watch from a distance as I see her getting promotion after promotion and she's really took what happened to her and decided not to let it define her and that's just one of those stories um do you know there's mm. there's so many of them but it's a privilege for me to be part of that journey a lot of people say oh thanks for getting me here in fact and I always put it back to you did the hard work I only yeah. facilitated the, the tools and, and, and taught you how to use them. You did the hard work and it's incredible when you see people who really want to make that change. If you're looking to make that that change in yourself and you're ready to make that change, then then it's just incredible to watch. So. Yeah, yeah, it would be. I remember having a conversation with a friend who is an addict in recovery and I remember asking him, like, what was it that took you to go and search for help and he was like the way I can describe it is this light burning inside me and it was really really faint and I knew that there was something I could do to turn it up and I just needed the right support around me and now his light is shining so bright he's gone into a job where he's now a carer and doing amazing things with his life so I can imagine that's like you're helping people turn their lights up shining bright that's right um uh, and you see it as well you see people physically change you see the hair change the face people's attitudes people's behavior if they, as they start to go on that that growth process and i think it is important to recognize that we need when we talk about survivors we this isn't something that happens overnight do you know you don't just flick a switch and all of a sudden we're better this is a a long process but it's a long process of really looking at who you are like truly, truly looking at what your emotions as they come up, what do they mean for you? What, where does that emotion come from? Do you know a lot of people even struggle to put a name to the emotion? So sadness, people can 
how do you feel today? I feel fine. See, if somebody says they feel fine, there's something else going on under there. Um, and I know it's a standard response, but I tend to just ask a few more questions beyond that. That word, fine. Um, and you soon start to realise that people have got a, a dark cloud hanging over them and it just won't go away and it's, I feel dark and I feel stormy. And if you can start to explain to people what those what those feelings are and label them as emotions they become easier to process um so it's yeah it's a it's a fascinating piece of work really really is a fascinating piece of work yeah and i think that's this is important for anybody anybody to hear whether you're working within it struggling with an addiction or surviving trauma because we all have these behaviors like we don't know how to identify feelings we don't know how to identify the emotions we don't know how to share that with other people and you get you can get stuck as I remember when I was I was dealing with grief a couple of years ago and I didn't know how to express it because when I first dealt with grief, grief back 1990 I buried it I was only 10 or 11 years old I buried it and that's what I knew how to do was to bury it and find things to distract and soothe so that you survive so that you get through whatever your experience is and everybody's situation is different so this emotional intelligence is something that doesn't get taught and very, very few people, I think a lot more people, people are talking about it now so they're maybe able to talk to young kids and to talk to their families as they're growing up more about it but my parents, they like, didn't, wouldn't know how to speak to you about it, their parents didn't know how to speak to them about it so it's we're taking the lid off of this and being able to maybe be more open where that's where maybe social media has been able to be useful because we can share these messages a bit further and a bit wider. I think I think social media's got its downfalls um, and it's got its pitfalls but I also have seen in the past sort of six weeks how beneficial social media can be and how powerful it can be. Um, when you talk about emotional intelligence I I love it. You know, I live and breathe it. It's part of that growth program that we deliver. If you can't understand your own emotions, and how can you possibly then start to understand the emotions of other people as well? So it all starts from within. And if you can really start to gain levels of emotional intelligence and work on the five different aspects of it, then yeah. it, it really, I, I believe your emotional intelligence is far more important than your level of general intelligence. Um, you can go away and you can read as many books as you like and you can learn as much as you like but you need to have I think your emotional intelligence underpins absolutely every aspect of your life every aspect um, you can read and you can learn and you can grow and that's wonderful but you need to have the emotional capability to then be able to interact with people and so I believe that your emotional cannot rate it highly enough your emotional intelligence is key and it's one of the things that keeps me well on a daily basis so uh, i've got complex ptsd i've had agoraphobia for eight years yeah emotional intelligence and my mindset conquer also mm. every day um so I think that brings me back to the growth program. So that post-traumatic growth program was my core service. I established Thriving Survivors because 
I went through the counselling, I had learned about this free stage model, but there was nothing to help me find meaning in my life again. It was like, I did the counselling, and I see it so often, people go through the counselling, they feel better, they, they pick up a wee bit and then something happens, and they're right back to square one. The growth program that I deliver stops people from going back, and I believe it's because of those those sessions, and it's a way in which they flow. So if I was to deliver my emotional intelligence on session one, people would be like, "What? What is this?" So mm -hmm. it's a process in getting them ready to ready be able to to do that work. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's bits that I use with my kids, so I can see right now my fourteen-year-old son struggling with his mental health because he's in his bedroom for nine o'clock in the morning until 10 to 4 in the afternoon doing yeah. schoolwork and you can see him becoming more and more demoralized by it and lockdowns having that impact on everybody but because of my levels of emotional intelligence and because I live and breathe it I'm able to actually feed that in and through the household so I've got him talking about his emotions we've actually just started a family thought jar so if somebody's getting to somebody else or somebody wants to discuss something or any of that sort of stuff any angry feelings or anything like that it goes in the thought jar and then when the baby goes to her bed at night we sit as a family me and my husband and the two boys and we pick out the thoughts out the jar but what that does for the boys is during the day they're not getting weighed down by all the all the things that are going on. They've processed that thought, popped it in their thought jar, and then we're able to actually sit and have those conversations. We need to speak about mental health. We need to speak about the impact that trauma has. My oldest son knows that I struggle sometimes. He knows that I, you know, I, I sit here and I look like I'm, I'm great and I'm in a wonderful position, but... I still very much live as a survivor as well. Do you know, I may well be a business leader, but I, I still have my trauma and I still have the effects of it on a daily basis. But the tools that I've got help me get through it. And being able to share them with the kids and being able to spread that out through the family makes for a, happer, a happier, healthier household. Um, it's a nice place to be at where you can feel happiness and love and mm -hmm. joy and that's yeah. what Thriving Survivors drives for when we yeah. work with people. We want them to feel supported, valued and cared for but also to be understood, to be heard, to be listened um, and I think all of that comes from the fact that I am a survivor myself. Yeah. It's not planned. It's not, I don't have control over 
any of the sort of surrounding bits of that. Um, so I was terribly worried. However, my husband and my son were both shielded. So that meant that the only person that could actually go anywhere was myself. Um, yeah. And I had to go and do the supermarkets because I couldn't get my shopping delivered. So there was a lot of challenges for me and a lot of things that I had to overcome. But I think, again, my mindset, my my seven eleven breathing, they are the things that got me through it. In terms of where I'm at now, I long for the swimming pool to be open. I can't wait to go for a coffee. Um, <laughs> I truly appreciate the years that I lost, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I, I can now sit where I am and think, for eight years, I isolated myself almost like, and it must be like that for everybody else who lives with agoraphobia. It's just normal to them. What everybody else is living with right now, for people like myself and for other survivors as well who don't identify as having agoraphobia, will have enjoyed not having to go anywhere, not having to attend the doctors, not having to go to appointments. This whole new digital life will suit some people. And I think that will be a big crisis that's on the horizon is that people have become comfortable in their own home. Personally, I I can't wait to have my life back. I, I, um, I don't resent the fact I wasted all those years because I obviously needed time to heal. But yeah, I do. I do sit back now and and I'm grateful for the fact that I'm where I'm at and can't wait to take my daughter swimming. So when I, my young my, my youngest son when he was born, I couldn't go to mums and toddlers. I couldn't go to the park. Uh, I never did any of that stuff. I had to sit on the sidelines and watch it all happen round about me yeah. my daughter's too so she's missed out on being able to do all the normal things that that my other kids done i cannot wait to reopen it back up where i can take my daughter's room i can take it to the park and so i'm looking forward to what lies ahead so i think for me it's really opened my eyes and made me think i've i've got a life to live um and and i won't let the door hold me back or the four yeah. walls hold me yeah. back and I I don't I say that like it's dead easy um, but I'm aware that there'll be days where once we open back up and it's there and I can go I'll be like I don't know if I want to go I expect yeah. the swimming's a big one um, I don't it know if I want to go back in. but I will jump in with two feet first and see how we and see how it all pans out but um, yeah i Looking forward to things opening back up. I think the lockdown's been challenging for everybody and I think it's made everybody do that piece of self-reflection. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, I'm grateful for where I'm at now and I fully intend to make the most of it when they open it back up. Yeah, definitely. So you um, are, are you organising a consultation or are you involved? Like, what's the thing with the consultation that's coming up? Um, so Survivors Voices is now live. So it's a consultation looking for the views of survivors of of sexual and domestic abuse on the topic of restorative justice. So 
realistically, really what I'm looking for is for as many survivors to come forward and fill in this consultation so as that we can get a real understanding of what people's understanding of restorative justice is, what people's demand, is there a demand for it? If there is a demand for it, what might that look like? Um, uh, it will take about 15 to 20 minutes to fill the consultation in. Um, there's a lot going on round about it. There's panel sessions that run on a Wednesday evening. There's weekly, uh, free weekly sessions on restorative justice and the information that the education piece that we're doing round about that. Um, but really, this is about survivor choice and making sure that survivors are at the heart of any service development that comes next. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's live, it's exciting, and it's gave a lot of survivors a platform to have their voices heard. Yeah. And I think that's, I think it's just wonderful. And again, it's a privilege to be part of it. Yeah. And is this, to, this connected back to the government or is this directly through... It's the government and is it Scottish government or UK government? Scottish government. So Scottish government have funded us to run this consultation um, because okay. they've got the restorative justice action plan and they're hoping to have services rolled out, if you like, or at least in the pipeline by 2023. Um, and the, I, the fact that survivors are being consulted prior to a service being established is really quite unique. So, um, so the Scottish Government are really keen to hear what survivors have got to say on this matter. So is that we're not excluding anybody. Do you know if, it, if there is a demand for this, then I'm sure Scottish Government will, will see what they can do about that. And it's about making it safe as well, because we're not... It's very, very, very sensitive matters and very, very sensitive subjects. Um, and that needs to be handled correctly as well. So we... Restorative justice isn't available for survivors of domestic abuse and sexual abuse in Scotland at the moment. Scottish Government are very interested in hearing what people's thoughts and views are on that and they've tasked us with carrying out that consultation. Cool. Yeah. So what, would, what could restorative justice look like? Uh, there's a question um, <laughs> and probably one that I, I don't have a, a fully rounded answer to. Um, there's so many different ways that this could work, but it's still so very early in the process. So everything that survivors are feeding back to us in this consultation will then go on and shape what that will look like. Right. But the idea of restorative justice is that we bring together the person who caused harm and the person who was harmed, and you try and heal some of that harm that's been caused, um, allowing for that survivor to go through to go through a different process if you like it's not i don't think uh, i know it won't overlap with the criminal justice system so if you were to take part in a, a restorative justice process it wouldn't influence the the, uh, the the criminal process i don't think but again everything's so early on in the stage at the moment that what it looks like will be will really determined by the results of this consultation and am I'm, I'm right in thinking that many people who are the abusers in situations have been abused themselves in childhood or and then it's like a repeated pattern? Is that I think that I think that is a it is common. It depends on what type of crime you're looking mm -hmm. at as well. Um to say that that everybody that perpetrated a crime 
Like yeah. that would be a would be a survivor themselves. I I don't have statistics on that, mm. but um, yeah, again, another difficult question yes. to answer. There's definitely there's definitely a lot of evidence that would say that people who perpetrate the likes of childhood sexual abuse might well have been mm-hmm. had crimes like that perpetrated against them as a child. Um, but again, I don't have statistics on yeah. that, so wouldn't want to really give a, a definitive answer on that. Yeah, and whether we had or not, even if there was, if they, when people are committing crimes, quite often they don't think about the victim because there's a, like, they kind of possibly black out or completely disassociate from what what's happening and they forget that there's something else. So when they, they get confronted, like, I've heard about people that have murdered a person's child and that the mother of the child has gone and made a, had a relationship with the person who killed their child and they've been able to see that the person who committed the crime was able to see that there was victims and that they did something wrong and could ask for forgiveness and then heal from that so that all parties were healing from it. That's right. So that is a restorative process, Mm -hmm. if you like. That, that, That does have, because both sides took something from it. Restorative justice needs to be neutral it needs to be completely voluntary both parties need to agree to the process the person who perpetrated the crime needs to take accountability as well um there's such a such a complex issue um it's not as simple as this the the one size fits all Um, there will be different methodologies and different ways to deliver services like this to different crime types um so what might work for somebody who had experienced interfamilial abuse might not work for somebody who's been part of a domestic abuse and still in contact because of children. So the methodologies will be different. And, I, and again, the consultation responses should feed directly into all the recommendations that will be made. And, and hopefully Scottish Government will come back again and, and seek the views of survivors even further if, before any services are implemented. Yeah, yeah. So how if how do people get involved in this consultation? How do they fill out the survey? Um, there's links on our website. So if you go to www.thrivingsurvivors.co.uk, you can find everything from there. You'll find survivors voices you'll also find the consultation link as well and it tells you a great deal about thriving survivors and the work that we also do um you'll also find us on instagram facebook twitter youtube and there's another one but for the linkedin um so you'll find us on all the social media channels, um, Thriving Survivors. If you just search us, I'm sure you'll find us. Um, and uh, Heather um, from One for Growth has been doing a smashing job with the social media. So there's links everywhere, absolutely everywhere. And the, um, they're going out daily as well. Um, there's also, again, I would say just the, I would say the website is the, is the best place to go. You'll find absolutely everything that you need on there there's so much information um but there is a direct link to the consultation on the website okay cool Uh, i will put in the comments i'll put that um url just so that people can see it and i've 
tagged you in this post so that people can then click straight onto your social media and then when I get it downloaded I can share it on Facebook and I'll put it on my YouTube with links in the comments as well. So when is the consultation to be completed by? Um, we will close on the 28th of March so we've still got a couple of weeks um, but we're looking for a big response on that. The more survivors that come forward and the more people that that have their voice the better the service construction will be as we move forward. Yeah, and does it matter where somebody is on their survival journey? So, again, this is another another question. Um, anybody can fill this consultation in. If you are at the start of your journey, um, the experience is still quite raw. We do have counselling sessions available, so if you need support, then please come and, again, just contact us straight through the website, everything that you need on there. Um, so we do have counselling sessions. What I would say is if you're right in the very early stages of this, there'll be other opportunities for you to have your voice heard, so please be safe right now and, and just be aware of, of your what you're able to do and, and how safely you can do that. Um, in terms of restorative justice, I think there will be a time in your recovery where you're ready. Um, I had, years ago, had it been offered, I would have jumped at the chance, do you know? I would have, but I would have been in angry and full of rage and I don't yeah. know if it would have had the right outcome. Mm -hmm. Where I'm at in my stage in my recovery now, the outcome might well be quite different. I'm quite um, in a much better place. I'll yeah. keep to myself on whether I think it's a good idea or not because I'll remain impartial right the way through. But I think the time in your recovery when you might want to take part in restorative justice will be completely up to you and completely individual. Um, yeah. And I think that's that's a key message as well is that the restorative justice process will be different for everybody because each case is so individual. Whilst we all experience the same emotions and the same behaviours, each experience is different. None of us experience the exact same thing. So how that how the dynamics of those meetings and stuff work will be different for everybody. But restorative justice is a process. It's not something that we'll just rock up tomorrow and we'll be in the same room and we'll have this totally enlightening conversation. Mm -hmm. It's a very safe, very structured process that has got risk assessments throughout the entire the entire process. Um, but it'll be for the survivor to decide when yeah. right for them and their journey. Cool. Is there anything else that you want to share this afternoon? Um, no, I think I think that's it. I could talk to you all day long, really good. <laughs> um, especially when I when I'm excited about something. So, um, yeah. yeah, I'm talking about the things that I love. So I could talk to you all day long. So no, I've got nothing nothing much else to add. Just thank you very much for having me. My pleasure. My pleasure. I hope at least one person that sees this that needs to hear what we've spoken about. Just one person can reach, come forward and get assistance or guidance or support or help or be able to offer help. That would be amazing. That's right. Uh, it was what I said to my husband when I first started this, was if it helps just one person, then it won't all have been in vain. And here we are, over 600 people in, and, and it hasn't all been in vain. There's there's been a reason for it all and a purpose to it and, and a light at the end of the tunnel. And I think you're right. I think that my message to people would be if you're 
struggling, if you need help, if you need support, then reach out and ask for help. Um, you're not alone. I know it can feel like a very lonely journey, but there's a lot of us out there. We are a community um, starting to become a, a loud community as well. Um, so come forward, speak up. Um, there's plenty of help there. Brilliant, 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 brilliant. Right, I'll get this. This is going out live, and I'll get it downloaded onto my IGTV um, right okay. now, and then okay. I'll share it. Lovely. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Ashley. Thanks, Jen. Thanks for having me. And um, we'll no doubt when I get the podcast up and running again, I'll have you back on, and we'll do another different podcast. Excellent. Brilliant. Always happy to talk. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> well, you can. Thanks, Thanks very, very much. much. See you. Bye. Bye.